Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to Following On County Cricketer, the last show before we take a month-long hiatus. We'll be back, though, at the start of September. Uh, And you're listening either on TalkSport 2, on the Following On podcast feed, or indeed on the Cricketer Magazine's website. Uh, Looking back at an absolutely ridiculous four days of county cricket. Um, And uh, to be honest with you, I need a pause for breath after the last three games. Um, It's been some incredible cricket up and down the country, so we're going to be reflecting on all that and uh, taking your questions as well here on Following On County Cricketer. Okay, Harmi, well, look, I don't know about you, but um, look, it's been a busy week. I've been covering the T20s uh, between England and South Africa for Talk Sport and Talk Sport 2. I've been looking after the kids. Summer holidays, of course, have, uh, have just uh, got underway, so suddenly uh, life's a lot more hectic. But wherever I've been, whatever I've been up to, I've had one eye or one ear on the county championship because this is shaping up to be some season. Uh, I got a message from my mate uh, Josh Milligan, who used to produce a breakfast show yesterday evening, saying, can you not please stop winning games? Um, He's a huge Hampshire fan. Obviously, Hampshire were tipped to win the title earlier this season by Nick Friend and also George DeBell, who aren't with us this week. You quite fancied Surrey. Um, I wasn't ever going to tip Surrey, but... uh, Tell you what, Surrey have conjured up three wins. Uh, you know, they gave up 500 against Yorkshire and won. They were 140 for seven in first innings after Essex had hit 280 and won. And uh, they started the day on day four. Warwickshire, 240 ahead, I think, 220 ahead, six wickets in hand. And then Kamar Roach and possibly a little bit of fortunate umpiring. Um, and then the most comfortable chase of 240 you'll ever see. And, uh, and it's three wins out of three. But for a lot of... I'm not sure if you're aware, because I was following the Hampshire game. Oh, by the way, don't rule out Lancashire as well, who also conjured up a come-from-behind win against Kent. But I'm not sure if you were following it in the same way I was. But the Yorkshire game, the Yorkshire-Hampshire game, 
and the Surrey-Warwickshire game for about three days were almost identical. The second innings, or third innings, I should say, for Yorkshire and Warwickshire had them essentially dropping wicket, losing wickets and leading Hampshire and Surrey by an almost identical score right up to the end of day three. Then uh, Hampshire rolled through Yorkshire. Warwickshire got through to close as play, four down. I thought, that's it. Surrey are going to draw that game. You know, they're going to have to bat it out to draw. Hampshire are going to chase down the 200-odd, which they did. Lancashire had come back by that point. I'm thinking, oh, man, three-way three way tie at the top here. And then Surrey conjured up, uh, well, that spell by Kamar Roach, four for, I think he took four wickets in uh, six overs. This has been an amazing, amazing county championship. Actually, I'm not that bothered that there's a bit of a break because I'm not sure I can take much more of this. It's been, uh, it's been ridiculous. Yeah, it has. And the Surrey win was a, an unbelievable win. But that's what you pay your overseas for. You know, that's, that's it during my time. You play against the overseas, he makes a difference. I think the overseas are a little bit different now. It's a little bit more diluted because of, obviously, franchise cricket around the world. The, the big overseas don't come to England to play red ball cricket as much as um, what the you know, the big hitters from international cricket do. But, sorry, you've got one. They've got a big hitter. He doesn't play franchise cricket. One of the great greatest bowlers of modern generation on a wicket which looked as though there wasn't much difference between the outfield and the in the uh, the wicket they played on there was a little bit of green grass on the on the wicket there at, at the oval and Kimar Roach he's a superstar isn't he he's a he's a great man but he's a great bowler as well when you give him the conditions and he did that he was he was the wicket some of the wickets and the deviation off the surface was was perfect for Kimar so it was a it was a good win for Surrey i think they needed it because of the way sort of Hampshire, I think Yorkshire look as though they've just run out of steam a little bit. Stephen Patterson's resigned last night as um, as as four-year captain. That would have hurt Stephen, knowing him as I do. He's a good, he's a good friend of mine. That would have hurt him because he loved that job, leading some of these you know these young players out out for Yorkshire. And you're right, don't ruse Lancashire out. Lancashire play Yorkshire. The Roses' next round of county championship matches. I think it's on the fifth of September. Um, yeah. I don't think Surrey. There's I don't some think big Surrey games. Gloucestershire. No, they're not. Gloucestershire play Somerset at the bottom of the yeah. table. So that's a bit of a derby going on. Hampshire and, uh, Yorkshire against, Yeah, Yorkshire versus Lancashire. Yorkshire, as you said, they're not a defeat in that. It's going to be a little bit squeaky bump. Not that we know how what the divisions are going to look like next year or what everyone's playing for. But yeah, I mean, those two fixtures just at the top. Well, not quite the top of the bottom, but certainly Lancashire at the top. And um, I'm not sure Yorkshire can afford another defeat. And then Gloucestershire, Somerset. But yeah, sorry, carry on. You were saying about uh, about the Yorkshire-Hampshire game. Yeah, the, the Yorkshire-Hampshire game sort of fluctuated either way. Nobody really wanted to get a hold of it. And I thought, you know what? Third innings moving there, 272. That's a score. That's a look as though that was a, a score that might be challenging, you know, fourth innings. But you're also looking at it and thinking, you know, 159 plus 218, is the pitch getting better and better? And will it be easier, a fourth innings chase? And it looked as though that was the <clears throat> the way it was. A huge partnership, I think it was, uh, later on in that first innings of the Hampshire game by Ben Brown and Keith Barker. The, what were they? They were 70 for seven, I think. They were 70 for seven at one point. So 
that was massive. But that's what good teams do. The good teams, you know, they, they find a way of keeping themselves in the game. When they've grounded a team that's doubting themselves a little bit, things aren't going so well, i.e. What, what's happening at Yorkshire, then you know, the top team comes through in the end on day, day, end of day three, day four, and, and finishes the job off. And that's what Hampshire did. I think Lancashire look a good... You know, they look at a side that could be the ones that challenges. One, if one of the, the top teams sort of fall by the wayside and falter, I think Lancashire will challenge the other either Hampshire or Surrey, probably will be Surrey, um, to, to, the, to the championship because Hampshire, you know, Lancashire are a, a very, very good side. They've got good bowling stocks. Young Bailey, what, did he get 11 wickets in the match? Great sign in Washington Sundar for the back end yeah, of the season. Sorry, let, let's, let's not forget, Surrey aren't the only ones with an overseas pro. Three wickets yeah. for Washington Sundar and uh, I don't think that Carl Abbott, I know he's not an overseas, he's Cole Packer. Actually, no, he's not. Let's see, how does Kyle Abbott? Is, it, is he overseas now? I guess he is. Mohamed Abbas, he's overseas as well. Yeah. So the overseas players for, uh, for Hampshire as well, doing the do. Well, whether he's overseas or not, he has played international cricket for another country and he is very, very handy when it comes to bowling and wickets that have got conditions. And Mohamed Abbas, is a, you give him a wicket which has got a little bit in it and there's not many better than, than Mohamed Abbas trying to challenge the inside, the outside edge of the bat in and around that off stump. And I think that relentlessness between Abbott and what did they get? Nine, they got 16 wickets between them in that match against Yorkshire. So uh, it's been another good, I think, good round. Durham, my team, you know, 421 in the first innings. You know, Michael Jones, good young player. You know, Durham stuck with him um, through some good times and some challenging times. He goes at the top of the order. Um, and it's not an easy place to bat is Chester Street when the ball's because the ball always does a bit at the top of the order and he got a double hundred and I'm pleased for him because he's he's a, he's a good player I think he's a very very good player uh, and you know, they had Middlesex up against it for a large proportion of that game an early part of that game but it, I think there was 160 runs for the last three wickets in that in that innings of 4.55, which then just made the game just peter out into a into a boring draw. So Chris Rushworth got 600 first-class wickets during that game, which is a, a very, very good achievement. Um, and looking around the rest of the groups, there were some notable big big contributions. Young Dahl at, um, at Derbyshire. What a match he had. 171 runs and 6 for 75 against Worcester. So... Yeah, good. There's 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 been some good performances this week. Well, there has. Um, and what's uh, what's really interesting with the division two is that, is that Middlesex are in a little bit of a little bit of trouble. I think let's have a look at the fixtures because I think Glamorgan have to play both Derbyshire and Middlesex still to come. Nottinghamshire are where we always expected them to be. They've eased, eased ahead. They, they they look certain to be promoted if there is promotion <laughs> at the end of the year. But 10 points separated Middlesex in second and Derbyshire in fourth. And Glamorgan, who are third, have got to play Middlesex and Derbyshire. So um, I think Durham's chances of promotion, unfortunately, um, they, they needed to win that game, really, didn't they, to have any outside hope. But that is, that's fascinating. And I tell you what, the, uh, the Mickey Arthur you know, rejuvenation of Derbyshire is very quietly continuing, even though... You know, he's not having Shamasu to rely on. 
Yeah, that's just, I spoke to Ian Bell about Mickey Arthur, and no, Mickey Arthur's been a good friend to TalkSport. We've had Mickey on in a wide range in tracksuits. I think we've had him on in his Pakistan tracksuit, we've had him on in his Sri Lanka tracksuit. I think we've even had him on in his Derbyshire tracksuit. And when he signed to be Derbyshire coach, I was like, what's he on to Derbyshire for? I mean, Goff, well, Goffy got the, the, the director's cricket job at Yorkshire, and then... We're having a conversation with, with Goffey and oh, on a Monday night talking about when I was sort of in at the, in the start of January and it was like, how good would Mickey Arthur be here? Because he is an unbelievable coach. It's like it's like one of the, the, the sort of top Premier League coaches. Not quite, not so much to the Guardiola. David Moyes. Yeah, but going to a championship club and you're going, what's in a, you know, a lower end championship club? Yeah, very decent in white ball cricket, but there've been a, a little bit of a shambles in in red ball cricket. And you're going, why has he gone there? And then you see the the transformation. And I was talking to Belly about because me and Bell went in as a batting consultant, and he only went. And he says he said this to me, Ian Bell only went because of Mickey Arthur. He said he had other offers, but he said I only went to work with Mickey Arthur, and that was because of the amount of experience that he's got. Belly's trying to sort of get into the coaching world. He said, I thought it would be good to work with Mickey Arthur. And he said he doesn't. He didn't disappoint. He said he was unbelievable. The way he runs the ship, runs the show, the way he speaks to players, the way he makes sure the players are... He says he's a little bit old school, but he makes sure the players are have got what they need to execute their skills. Um, and he drives them forward and he pushes them. And... You just got to look at the way Derbyshire have gone this year. You know they've, they've been a they've been bottom end rung of, of most tables for the last few years, and he has now transformed them into a club who, I think, if they had Shan, Shan Masood all summer, they might have had an outside chance of just grabbing that sort of second or third spot. But yeah, you know, it looks like they're just just fallen by the wayside a little bit. Got a lot of older players who potentially. Back end of the summer, getting tired, tired bodies. But look, they've had a. I think they've had a an excellent season, and I think the the driving force of of Mickey Arthur is has a lot to do with that. Mate, they've got three matches left: two at home, one against your boys Durham, one against Leicestershire, who are bottom, and then a huge game away at Glamorgan. They've still got a chance, you know. They've got a big chance. Yeah, but Glamorgan's got a game in hand now. They play Worcester next. Worcester have got nothing on it. Glamorgan, if they get any decent points total, then you're looking at Derbyshire being sort of half a game behind Middlesex, who would be third, um, and probably a full game behind Glamorgan if they win that game in hand. With three games left, I think that's just... If it was five games left, then you'd say they've got a chance. I just think Derbyshire might be half a game behind. We're talking about eight, ten points behind. Not saying getting caught. They're not, nobody's catching knots. They're, they're up, up and away, no, I think. No, not so. Um, yeah, so it'll be a case of Middlesex, Glamorgan. I can't see both of them making a mess of it to bring Derbyshire back into play. One of them might make a mess of it and Derbyshire might finish third. And... To be honest, if you had a Derbyshire members and said, would you would you take finishing third in this league with the likes of Notts, Middlesex, Durham? I think you would. I think you would say, yeah, 
from where we've been to where we where we are now, it's 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 a good positive move forward. And I think next year Mickey's still there. If nobody prizes him away with a lucrative franchise on offer. Then I think they'll get better and better because players want to come and sign for Mickey Arthur. That's why Masood's there. And I think there'll be a couple more next year that go. You know what? I'm going to go and play for Derbyshire because I want to work with Mick. Yeah, I can see the appeal for a club like Derbyshire because I think uh, Mickey Arthur's the kind of guy, he is a bit old school, he wants to, he's he's the kind of guy that he'll be having a chat with the tea lady on the way in, won't he? He'll be uh, chatting with the guy that looks after the car park. You know, he wants, he's top to bottom kind of manager. He's not just in, uh, interested in the cream, I suppose. He's not just interested in uh, turning up on match day. He wants... He wants to be with the dog thrower out in the field. He wants to be uh, watching all the second eleven games. He, he's he's such a cricket badger. It's ridiculous. And I suppose you wouldn't quite get that opportunity at a bigger club. No, he, he reminds me so much of a man that I hold in so high regard as Jeff Cook. Got great values, and he can, not only does he demand respect as the coach, but he demands you to respect the game and what's the game stands for and that seems to be the, the, the sort of Mickey Arthur way he's, he's, a, he's a dying breed unfortunately and in, in probably the modern day coaching but he, he has got the values that he, he's had all his coaching career I think are the ones that he instills in some of his players especially the ones that have been around him a long time and I think not only does he respect he commands respect off the players to himself but he he expects them to respect the game and it's done properly and it's done the right way. And that's, I think that's why Derbyshire's got to where they've got to. Where has it all gone wrong for Somerset this year? Because they're in a little bit of trouble. They do have a game against Gloucestershire coming up, you know, and they do have a game in hand over Warwickshire and Kent. But they can't afford for that gap between themselves in ninth and, say, Kent and Yorkshire in sixth and seventh to open up any more. It's been a struggle for them. You know, they've got themselves into good positions at times. But, you know, only two wins from ten matches tells its own sorry story. I mean, they've, they've lost five games. Five games, they're losing one in two. For a team that uh, were challenging not that long ago, that's, that's, a, that's a fall from fall from grace. And they are in danger of getting relegated if relegation Yeah, happens. they are. They're, they're very, very close to being relegated. And if they don't sort of get any sort of positive points out of that game, then there's a good chance they will be relegated. Kent have got a game on them. If you're a Warwickshire fan, you'd be worried as well because they're down there. They're down there. They're only sort of five points ahead of Somerset. So Somerset need to get some big points on the board in that game of hand to sort of leapfrog Warwickshire. Um, I'm not sure where it's gone wrong for, for Somerset. I think Somerset members, you can sort of send us a message in and, tried to unravel what's happened. It, for me, looking from the outside, it looks as though they've they've struggled to get to win the whole game rather than again this week they've got six hundred on the board. They've got six hundred on the board and they can't bowl teams out. Or they get rolled over for 150, 200, and they can't they can't knock knock, knock teams over to, in, in that respect. So they either bowl well in a game or they bat well in a game. But it doesn't seem so far this season they've batted and bowled well in a sort of a collective unit to it's not it's not as though one discipline's misfunctioning you know they've got some excellent bowlers who have took 
good wickets this year. Craig Overton's high up in the wicket takers. Peter Siddle, high up in the wicket takers. But they've also got some big run scorers high up in the run scoring charts as well. But as a team and a collective unit, they don't seem to be able to put four innings together as a whole consistently enough to win enough games to get them out of trouble. And that's something that... If I was a Somerset fan, I wouldn't be... I would be concerned, but I wouldn't be overly worried because there are going to be there is going to be a game or two games where we we put it all together and you'll get the points on the board. It's not as though we can't get twenty wickets and all summer. We've struggled to get twenty wickets. That would worry me if I was a fan because I'm thinking well, we're not going to win a game or we can't get four hundred runs. Both disciplines individually are working, but they just so don't seem to be functioning all together as one to, to, to sort of get a, a victory in the, in the championship. Well, I've just had a quick look at their fixtures. They've got uh, Warwickshire and Kent away, both of them away, still to it's play in, in the last four. I think one of the worries is that, you know, when you're going to be playing in September as well, you know, is weather going to play a part? When you've got such a close battle at the bottom of the table and a really close battle at the top of the table... You know, you don't really want wet, you know rain in September for a week to be essentially deciding the the championship. The other thing that, as a Surrey fan, it doesn't make any sense for them not to play Hampshire at Hampshire. And Surrey end up winning. Yep, they've beaten Hampshire at the Oval. Although why Hampshire put Surrey in, I don't think they'll ever ever really I'll ever really understand that. But it's a warp competition, and I just feel that it might be old school. But any tournament which involves doesn't involve every single team playing everybody else home and away. You know, well, that's just a knockout competition, essentially. It's, it just seems a bit warped to me. Yeah, but it just the, <clears throat> the calendar that we have, and there are going to throw up anomalies, and that's it. Look, as long as you know far enough out that this is what the, the roadmap of the season is going to be, you, you can plan accordingly. And if you accept them decisions... When they're made, you can't moan about them if it doesn't go the way that you expect it to go. So, I'm sure I'm sure Stewie and Bats and everybody at the Oval, they know what's going on. They know the job in hand. and know what they've got to do. And I said, like I, I've not changed my opinion from the start of the season when we talked about who is going to win the championship. One to eleven, Hampshire, I think have got as good a side as Surrey. But if Surrey get all their players out on the park, I think they've got a bigger bigger squad, a better squad than what Hampshire have got. And I think on the big occasion, when the pressure's on, I just think Surrey have got some... They've just got a little bit more. Will Ollie Pope be available for the back end of the county championship season when the test match is finishing? I, I think he will, looking at the way he's conducted his summer so far. He's wanted to go back and play for Surrey, so it wouldn't surprise me if he plays once the South African leg of the Test Series is done. And that'll be a huge, huge asset for for Surrey. Slightly concerning that Jamie Overton walked off not being able to finish his first over. Um, I don't know what the extent of that injury is, but with a season being not far away from finishing, that could be a, a end-of-season for, for Jamie but if you've got Kemal Roach you've got a match winner the likes of Burns yeah, and Amla they've got, got Topley to come back 
and current. You talk, Both and of those will be available. So big guns come back. Bats will be wanting to challenge them to say, look, you know, you've had a good summer with England. Just finish the summer off. That's what Jeff Jeff Cook used to say to me. He did it in '08 and he did it in '09. Come back at the end of the at the end of the summer after not playing a great deal for England for for a year and a bit. And then I went away and played a couple of test matches and he come back and said, right, you've had your high. Now go and perform the way you would in a test match and win these lads, help win these lads the championship. And that was my driving force. That was it. It was a great bit of psychology by Jeff. He just said, go and help win these lads the championship because that's what, that's what international players do. And I'd like to think I didn't disappoint because we won it twice. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Absolutely. Um, okay, let's get on to your questions here on uh, following on County Cricketer. It's time for the mailbag. The mailbag. Okay, well, you can't have a week, you can't have a mailbag, you can't have a, opening it up to the floor without somebody asking about James Vince. And Kevin Harper at Kev's Hat says, how has James Vince not even seen an England squad this summer, let alone played for England? I think it means the other way around. But uh, look, at the end of the day, James Vince might be the Vitality Blast champion, county championship champion. He's a World Cup champion. He was part of the squad, wasn't he, in 2019? And didn't he score 100 the last time he played for England? (laughs) What can we say about James Vince? That hasn't been said millions of times before. (laughs) I I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's a very good leader. I think if the, the Ben Stokes leadership qualities weren't as strong, we might be talking about James, James Vince captain in England in the test matches. But there was only one real candidate when Joe Root packed in, and that was Ben Stokes. Um, but I think 
high up on the shortlist, even though he wasn't in the test team, because the test team, if we remember, at the start of the summer was a shambles. It might have been, James Vince's name would have been in consideration with, with Rob Key. But where does he fit in? I don't see where he fits in, unfortunately. Number three, he's had his chance. It just seems that England don't don't really fancy him. They just think he's an unbelievable first-class cricketer. But at the test level, he has got technical faults that possibly because of the age he's at, and that's why Zach Crawley's getting a little bit more time because he's obviously he's a lot younger and hoping that he can develop and go through. This is not me sort of building the case for not picking James Vince. I'm trying to work out why they haven't gone back to him. And the only thing I can think of is that they believe that his technical deficiencies in international cricket, which were very, very similar every time he got out, nicking off just outside of Stump, that they believed that, well, the selectors, selection panel believed that it was, he wasn't going to be able to change that and he was always going to get that pretty 20, pretty 30 and then get out, which is something that England didn't need. Coupled with a little bit older, so they've gone down the route of, of, of looking past him in Test Match Cricket. I thought in one-day cricket he had a chance. Like you said, when that whole team got replaced, Ben Stokes came in, Vince got 100 against, I think, Pakistan, I think it was. Was it Bristol? Or, it was down in the, the sort of South... I'm sure it was down in the South Country. I'll be wrong. I'm sure I will be. But he got 100. And I thought, you know what? That might just sort of cement his place in the one-day side for a while at that number three spot. But England have gone back to Joe Root, who you can't argue with, really. He's one of the best players that's ever played cricket for England. So I just think James Vince is always going to be feel aggrieved and unlucky that he's not got as many test or international caps as he should have. But I, I, I really I would love to know what the the honest answer is, but I'm just wittering on because I think James Vince is a fantastic <laughs> player. He's but only he's only thirty one as well, you know. But what Zach, twenty five, twenty four, twenty five? Yeah. No, I get is that, he, but is, I'm just saying it is seems he like be, you know it's not it's not thirty five. Yeah, but if he's if he's 31, is he going to be able to change? And the career he's had, he's, his numbers are ridiculous. But can you change? Really, can you change that poking at a ball outside of stump? I think that's instinct. You know, is that technically you've got an issue there? And it's the same thing every time. Zach's got it. Zach hasn't got long left before the, walk, the, push, the push past Zach Crowley because at the minute you bowl half volleys at him, and he'll maybe belt you for three or four fours, but he's going to nick it and he's going to be out. So he's got to learn quickly now, or he could be, Zach Crawley could be very, very soon in the James Vince camp of, we think he's a very, very good player, and his first-class numbers will be ridiculous, but if he keeps getting out the same way, with the modern technology we've got, well, there's no point picking him because we can't we can't have somebody that averages 25 or 35, between 25 and 35. Uh, Neil Abba, I'm not going to read out this whole tweet because it's a little bit offensive, but says, who made Butler captain of the short form of the game? The only time he performs is when he's been paid millions to play in the IPL. No, I, I disagree with that. I think he's performed excellent. I think he's performed well for England. Uh, he's taking over no the England... Yeah, I, I, I agree. I know that when Owen Morgan was asked, I was at Lords listening to him say that... And obviously he's been political. He's not going to say, yeah, Josh Butler should, should be captain because... He was stepping away from the team. But he was saying, you know, Moeen Ali, Chris Jordan, 
Joss Butler. There's lots of captaincy experience in there. But it was always going to be Joss Butler. The thing that he's been paying millions to play in the IPL, I think, is a red herring. It's irrelevant. And actually, in some ways, you should take that as a as a justification for why he's a captain. Because if he can perform in the pressure cauldron of the IPL, and don't think that that's not easy runs in the IPL. You know, you speak to any overseas player who goes over there. If they pay big money for you, they expect big returns. The pressure is on immediately. We had Chris Gale. Remember the interview you did with Chris Gale? which went out on the channel. And he's saying the pressure, even for Chris Gale, he said the pressure at, at um, RCB said it was in, was just insane pressure. And I've heard that before. I remember Tamar Mills, I think it was Tamar Mills, and he came back, he said, you get there and you were made very aware, very, very quickly, you've got to perform. So the fact that he's been paid millions and he has performed in the IPL is shows he can do it and you know but I think that what we've got to remember with Joss is he's coming into an England white ball side that has essentially lost their captain and their identity in Owen Morgan lost their all-rounder um, certainly the 50 over game in Ben Stokes and if you look at the white ball side that won the World Cup in 2019 yeah all the batters are pretty much there apart from Morgan but none of the bowlers are um, apart from Adil Rashid who uh, hasn't played, a, he missed a series himself for religious reasons. So um, let's judge Joss Butler when he's got, can throw the ball to Joffrey Archer, when he can throw the ball to Mark Wood, and when Adil Rashid and Moeen Ali are both, you know, available. And, uh, and we'll see how he's doing then. Yeah, for me, there was, there was only two choices for the England captaincy, Moeen Ali or Joss Butler. I think the rest, the rest in that white ball side... Didn't need the responsibility of, of captaining. Joss is a fantastic player. I, I, I feel sorry for Joss, actually, because he got thrown a curveball because I don't think anybody really thought that Owen Morgan wouldn't go to at least one of the World Cups, i.e. the T20. So retiring, drop of a hat, bang, there you go, Joss, it's all yours now. I thought that was that's tough on, on Joss. Not... not because all Morgan's sort of given a hospital pass, I just think, I think you, as a captain, you sort of you can see things coming. You know, Michael Vaughan took over from Nasser Hussain. That was a six months transition period. You know, a lot of a lot of captains, you can see that they're going in end of the summer, end of the next series, end of wherever. I didn't really see. Well, I don't think many people see Owen Morgan, you know, walking away there and then. So you've then got to sort of think on your feet, get your get your plans going and, and, and try and get your head around the fact that you're captaining. As a player, I feel sorry for him because he's perfect to walk into this test team now. Um, but unfortunately for 52 test matches, he didn't score enough hundreds and he's not there anymore. Um, the IPL, look, nobody, you don't, you don't think the price tags as an individual. You think of performing. You get, you get a big price tag because you've performed. And I think that's what Joss has done over the course of his IPL career. He's gone for big books because he's performed and he's earned the big books, the right for the big books. When it comes to the, the one-day side, I actually think when, it, when Brendan McCullum said, I'm taking the test team on, not taking the one-day team on, because it's going to be the hardest challenge. This is there. I actually disagreed with that. I actually think this, the one-day team was the harder, harder team to take on. Because the one day team is the best, one of the best in the world. The one day team is gonna have all the challenges of being favourites in a competition 
on a in bouncy surfaces in Australia, and obviously slow turning surfaces in India, to either be challenging for one of the top two places in the final, four places in the semi final, um, and do that as the team is coming down from 2019 World Cup win. I actually think the one day team was a harder team to coach because the standards were so high, the bar was such a high level that if it just dropped a little bit, then all, all of a sudden you're back in with everybody else. How do you keep that standard as high? And I think when Brendan said the test team wasn't wasn't very good, and that was my biggest. Cha- that would be my best challenge. I actually disagreed. I thought the, the one day team was it. The, the, the test team was an easier team to go into for the simple fact is you change your mentality, you change your mindset, you start winning a couple of games, and the euphoria of well, we're now. We're now not one from 17 anymore. And that's what Butler's got to deal with as England captain. That if England start dropping a little bit further down, the pressure that will come on that he's not Owen Morgan anymore, I think that is, that, that's a huge burden. Now, one of the games that we didn't talk about in the roundup was a, a brilliant match involving Northants and Gloucestershire. Northants running out two wicket winners. And um, Tom Wade has asked us, how good a player North, for Northampton, also South Africa, is uh, Ryan, Ryan Rickleton? Uh, my word, what a remarkable talent. Uh, that was his final game for Northampton. He's uh, joining up with the South Africa squad. He's going to be playing in a test. He made his debut for South Africa at the start of the year. Um, now, it was interesting. He hit 95 in the first innings um, and, and really got Northampton. They, they were set 208 in 33 overs or something. And he um, he got them off to a blazing start in the second innings as well, 60-odd. Simon Kerrigan was a, a guest on the Cricket Collective, wasn't he, a couple of weeks ago? And he was highlighting, and actually it was Simon Kerrigan who hit the winning runs in that two-wicket win. Um, he was highlighting what a, what a gun Northants had got. And actually, that win pretty much safeguards Northants' position in the table as well. So he's a, another overseas pro that's done his job for his county. He has, and you know, I was interesting to ask Simon Kerrigan. We had him on for about fifteen minutes, and interesting to ask him about because Manners talked, Neil Mallinthorpe talked about Northampton being the sort of the unfashionable, you know, the, the moneyball group, which is the unfashionable, the unwanted, the place where people wash up that have struggled other places. But Northampton seemed to sort of gel this group together and they've got some good players and they've got players who have gone through testing times in their in their sort of careers and reborn at Northampton um, and when they go down the, the, the overseas route they tend to go for young hungry South Africans and um, it looks like they've got a good one here he's what has he got he's he averages 75, 77 in, in first class cricket um, highest score of 133 largely down to his 95 in the first innings against Gloucester that they were still being able to push the game and drive the game um, and then obviously they've, they've gone on and had a run chase and yeah I think you're right I think they have safely secured their place in whatever top division they're going to be next year but it was a good game down at down at Gloucester interesting to see James Bracey batted number 5 has a real struggle recently at number 3 um, he's gone down to number five and he and he got 79 in the game. But Ryan Rickleton will be somebody who not many people will know when it comes to the first test match against South Africa. But I think if he gets the nod and he plays against England, 
I think by the end of the summer, I think he might be a name on a lot of people's lips because I think he's a talented, talented boy. And having the experience of playing first-class cricket, this is his eighth match, will stand him in good stead. And if South Africa do pick him for the three-test series against England, um, he'll be in decent form and he'll be acclimatised well to the conditions over here. So good luck to him. Brilliant stuff. OK, well, look, we're approaching the end of the show. We're going to have a little chat about the 100. And basically, we're... Uh, so. Following on county cricket is going to step aside for a month of August. No county cricket taking place. And the, basically the format of this show just will not work with the 100. It's not a complete slight on the, on the tournament. And of course, the Royal London One Day Cup, again, the games come so thick and fast. By the time we record this and it's, uh, it's, it's put out there, it'll be out of date. But let's just have a quick chat about the 100. A couple of things um, about the tournament. It gets underway on the 3rd of August. I actually tried to get tickets for my son at the uh, at the Oval, sold out. So, um, you know, they're, they're doing something right. But there again, the Oval always sell, sells out T20 Blast as well. But uh, essentially, whether you like it or you, you loathe it, Harmy, it's in the schedule. Uh, we're going to have no international cricket for the next uh, three weeks. They're clearing the decks. And uh, that's how it's going to be for the next five years. It has to succeed and succeed it will. Yeah, it has to succeed. The ECB invested far too much money to get it going. I've said many times I'm not a big fan, not of the 100, of what it entails, i.e. the collateral damage it's had on first-class cricket. I think in isolation, I think it's fantastic. We've got new people watching. I've had so many people. I can't remember who I sat next to. Oh, Jimmy Weir from Sky. Um, not massive cricket fan at all he said he said but he took his two daughters to a game last year and he said it was amazing and I've heard that so many times by so many different people who have never been involved never watched cricket that much I took my kids I took my daughter me and my wife went all that has been said and they said I had an amazing time and it is it's great it is a very very good product but the old footy duddies like me or keep coming back to the fact that the collateral damage is what that disappoints me with the 100 and the rest of our domestic English calendar because obviously we only play for five and a half months in a year. We can't cram everything in. I think once the ECB have got the house in order, pointed a new chair, got a new chief executive or a permanent chief executive and start running through what the priorities are in cricket over the course of the next three to five years, and then makes a, a roadmap of where everything fits in. I will not change my mind on the 100, because I still think the product is very, very good. But it will fit in better with a calendar, and then I think English cricket will benefit from, from that. New money coming into it, perfect. You know, the, the sixes and fours and the easy concept, the way that people can watch and understand the game is what we want. The, uh, but I, I will stand by what I... I've always said, if the 100 stairs in the calendar, the way it is at this moment in time, with four domestic competitions, then we've, we've got it wrong. You know, we have got it wrong because we are so mis, you know, misfunctioning the rest of our, of our game. So I think the, the important thing about the 100 is it's creating new money. It's creating new people coming in, but we have to make sure it fits in with what we are trying to achieve in this country, which is continuity of making sure all our all our international teams 
are best prepared and have got a huge pool of players to play from. And I think with a little tinker, it might work. Brilliant stuff, Harmy. Well, uh, I'm on holiday for a couple of weeks. Uh, you will be covering the 100 uh, for Talk Sport. And, um, and then again, we'll be reunited uh, in a couple of weeks' time uh, when I go back on the international circuit. You'll be part of the breakfast show. And also, you'll uh, take up your new role as Newcastle correspondent as well, doing some Newcastle reporting for Talk Sport as well. So busy times for you. You go well. And, uh, yeah, thanks for all the time over the last uh, uh, hour or so. And thanks for listening to Following On County Cricketer. Well, that's it for another edition of Following On. Thanks uh, for listening. And if you ever have any ideas for guests or have questions for uh, the likes of Steve Harmison or Neil Manthorpe, feel free to tweet me at Fulham John or via at cricket underscore TS. And uh, either I or one of the team will make sure that your questions are read out uh, on the show at the earliest convenience. Also, please take the time to leave a review. And if you're already a subscriber, then tell your mates to do the same. And if you want more content from the likes of Steve Harmison, then head over to his YouTube channel and tell him I sent you. Thanks for listening to Following On. The Following On podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 